Hello, you found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. And today we have no idea what we're going to talk about, so we're just going to talk. Because it's been a very brutal week with the protests. The looting has died down. The protests continue apace. And I find them deeply, deeply wounding and hopeful. There were 20,000 people in Hollywood when I came down from my bike ride today. I heard on Vine. On Vine in Hollywood. And uh. I expected that there would be people there. I was going north on Vine. I passed Hollywood. There was no one there at two o'clock. Yeah. And then when I came back before four, it was blocked solid. I mean, traffic couldn't go through. And very peaceful protests. A lot of young people, mostly young people. And right. it was just so heartening to see how much energy there is in what's happening to us as a society. I've just gone back and forth between feeling kind of physically ill, recognizing how much work there is to do and how much horror there has been. There was just a man, an officer, let's see, white Virginia cop is charged with assault after body cam footage shows him repeatedly using a taser on a black man while kneeling on his back as the victim pleads, I can't breathe. And he is now charged with assault. So I think what we have now with Black Lives Matter is the kind of awareness that we had with the Me Too movement mm -hmm. and that we just can't go back now because once you scratch the surface of that and learn that almost all women have had some sort of experience with either harassment or assault and that we all recognize that that was a common experience, that there's no way to put that genie back in that bottle. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel now is that white discomfort with this issue is not important what is important is that we listen to and hear what has gone on mm -hmm. and the history of it and the depth of it and acknowledge that we can't go forward the same way. So that's my speech on it. It's too big for me to even talk about. I'm encouraged and inspired that there seems to be this groundswell worldwide, not just in the U.S., and maybe something will happen. And, you know, November's coming, so maybe something will happen there too. And yeah. I'm just so burnt out as I'm sure most of the country is on the three and a half years of torture we've been under. It's big. I'm glad people are out there raising their voices. I don't quite have it in me and I'm scared of COVID, but I'm, yeah, I'm glad people are speaking up. Here's my deal. I'm a woman who has experience with the Me Too movement. You're a man who has had experience with discrimination because of being gay. Mm -hmm. And you've gone through the process of seeing, uh, I don't know if you were aware when Stone, when was Stonewall? Wasn't that in the 60s? 60, yeah, 68 or something. Uh, yeah, I, I knew about it because I was I was sneaking copies of The Advocate, Advocate. from Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, the Advocate. So I was oh, okay. Reading all about Stonewall. <laughs> I remember watching Milk with girls and. And mm -hmm. both of their godfathers are gay. Mm -hmm. So they were watching, it wasn't Stonewall, but it was a, it was like what it is now with African-Americans and with the protesters. It's just police coming into a bar and bringing men out into paddy wagons and holding up batons. And I had to turn to them and say, you don't understand this. But before there was Tom and Steve and Peter and David, people who were gay were treated like pedophiles. They mm -hmm. were considered perverse. You'd wouldn't admit to being gay, you would be exposed as being gay. Right. That's how it would come about. And they fortunately, I mean, fortunately, didn't have that experience of it. And that to me was progress. There have been changes, but I just think that we've been, I, I will speak for myself, that I've been blind to so much of it that it, it's very shaming. I feel very ashamed of my participation and my, my patting myself on the back for the little that I've done.
but it's so little in comparison to what needs to be done. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to let people like you or me off the hook, but I think leadership is needed. There's a limit to what you can do except raise your awareness as an individual. So I don't know if you should feel too guilty. I just think we have Here's an awareness. Here's my copy of White Fragility. White Fragility. <laughs> That's the book to read. Here's how I feel. I am not too old to learn. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like the scales have fallen from my eyes and my heart has been opened and I need to think different. I think the challenge when these moments happen where that suddenly there's a, a watershed of public awareness is what you do afterwards. Exactly. You know? I think that's the hard part because we're in the moment right now and it's an important and healthy moment where yeah. we're awake. And then that's why I'm just delighted that an election is happening at the same time because I think without it, I think leadership really, you know, we've learned nothing else from Donald Trump. It's the positive use of good leadership. Yeah. And I think with good leadership, things can change. You see these guys, the police chief from Houston, who marched with the demonstrators. And there was another place. You see these yes, little, little some examples. glimpses, little yeah. rumblings of something changing. You see what we didn't see before. You see people in power, maybe a mayor or a yeah. police chief mm -hmm. who gets it. I think uh, equating it back to Me Too, there was a certain point where women just broke. Mm -hmm. Once the recognition was that it was so endemic in this society that it had happened to so many women, women are not going to let it go back anymore. We're not going to let men forget. And mm -hmm. certain men get it. Certain mm -hmm. men yeah. understand that. And the yeah. other ones who are saying, God, I can't say anything to any woman anymore. Right, it's right. like, yeah, you're right. So shut up. <laughs> yeah. Just don't yeah. say anything. Yeah. And those people will be themselves marginalized because mm -hmm. they simply won't be able to keep up. Joe Biden was saying it will take a generation. It will take a generation because the people who are racist are going to have to die and the people who are coming up to replace them are going to have to be aware and mm -hmm. have a different understanding and a different experience. Well, if we last long enough, the change in the demographics of the country will help, I think, too. That will help, yes. You know, as white people become the minority, maybe there'll be a shift in consciousness. Tanahasi Coates. Now, I don't read The Atlantic, so I don't know what possessed me to read this article, but I recommend it highly. It's called The Case for Reparations, and it is about why we owe African Americans in our culture reparations for the past wrongs that have mm -hmm. been visited on them. Mm -hmm. And that scares a lot of people, but it has to be done. The way property was taken away from Black people and education was taken away and opportunities were taken mm -hmm. away, it's now time to create avenues for those things to be repaired. Restored. And, and it's not even restored because they were never there in the first place. They were never there in the first yeah, place. To correct the wrong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and I do think it's going to take a lot to be able to create a society where there is the opportunity or po the possibility of equality. I think it's something we have to build. I don't think it's something that we can just... Yeah, I don't think it's ever done. Cornell West, when I used to read his stuff, he, he said that you have to get up and struggle with it every day. It's just it's just a daily struggle. It's not something that we're going to conquer and then it will be done. It's just something to, to wake up and be aware of every day and fight against it every day. Well, that is the point, isn't it? 
because each African-American in our country carries the weight of 401 years of slavery right. and Reconstruction and Jim Crow and the civil rights movement mm -hmm. and the failures of the civil rights movement. Yeah. And, and the institutionalized racism. And the institutionalized racism, yes. And I think that that's what I've finally become aware of is that it's not individual experience of it. It is every Black person in America has that experience. Right. And they have it every day and they wake up every morning to yes. deal with it yet again. I heard someone describe racism as if we were fish in the water and we don't see the water because we're swimming in it. Oh, right. And that's what racism is. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really apt description yeah. of it. Yeah, that's right. It's so pervasive that it's invisible. Right, because our white privilege is something that we just wear so lightly. Mm -hmm. Look, if all of the madness of the Trump era led to this conversation, I'll take it. Yeah, if he was the one who forced it, I agree. Mm -hmm. We needed to be forced because mm -hmm. I look back and the idea that we elected a black president to me was like, we're done. I know. We've hit the mark. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. And I bet no black person in America thought we were done. I right. bet no black person in America said racism is over. Right. But me and yeah. others like me were just absolutely astounded when Trump came into office and turned everything around and turned mm -hmm. Charlottesville into That's a celebration right. of, of white yeah. supremacy. And that was always my thing, was that people thought that they weren't racist if they didn't say the N-word. Mm -hmm. And that's oh, what yeah. racist people do, is they use the N-word. Someone said that, and it's suddenly, I got, yeah, okay, that's why people who are racist don't think they're mm -hmm. racist, because they have all the attitudes, they just, they don't use the same vocabulary. Because well, it I seems just, to be. Look at the numbers of people. They keep coming out. Keep coming know? out. And what every Black person I've heard who speaks with hope, I mean, there's some who just don't believe it and don't trust human nature. And don't trust human nature for good reason. So right, I'm not sure. using that as a judgment. But don't believe that this is a lasting thing. But for those who are hopeful, it's because there are so many white people out there. You know, there yeah. are so many people who have said, no, this isn't the society that we want. Right. This isn't the way we want to live each day. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes me hopeful. Not to change the subject, but to pivot ourselves. Are you aware of reopening happening, that we're in a different phase than we were? No. I mean, I keep hearing about it. The one personal experience I'm having about a reopening is I'm going to have my car smog checked on Wednesday. Right. So that's the little bit of reopening that I've been exposed to. I don't know what the deal is with barbershops. I, ha I haven't even texted my haircutter lady to see if she's back in business. Well, those I mean, are, what I heard was that as of June 12th, hair salons and gyms oh, good, are okay. opening June, back Okay, up. so that's good. So after June, I thought it was supposed to be now already, and then I noticed I'm not seeing anybody, it's but just, I didn't realize it's, been it's, very June, strange. It's, a, it's delayed. We went into this second phase, and then suddenly we were in phase 2.5, <laughs> and I didn't even know we were allowed to eat out of doors, and then suddenly yeah. we were allowed to dine indoors if there was social distancing and masks on, although oh, how yeah. you eat with a mask on, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know too much about it. I, if anything, I'm becoming too comfortable in my isolation. Oh, right. that's right. <laughs> you don't really want to come out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I'm like the munchkin that didn't want to come out and meet Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, Catherine called me from New York today. And for one thing, Times Square is barricaded off. It sounded like with some kind of police or National Guard presence. So nobody can go into Times Square. Uh -huh. And yet she said she passed all kinds of people who were not wearing masks. Oh, there were yeah. people in the park not wearing masks and not yeah. really distanced from each other. She said she walks down the street and people aren't wearing masks. I wear my mask now just because Garcetti said to wear a mask when you go outside. Oh yeah, and, me too. And I, I've not gotten a memo that said that we didn't have to do that. So I wear it when I ride my bike. I try to remember when I take out the trash, but sometimes I forget. But normally I definitely do. But I was I went to the car wash today and the, the car wash, it's just a drive-through car wash. So you do have to give the guy your credit card to pay for it. But he had his mask on. I had my mask on. I had my gloves on. You know, I feel pretty like I kind of mastered the, the protocol. I do too. Although Not I went into, uh, I had to make a pit stop at Ralph's and I forgot to put my gloves on and I felt oh, really yeah. exposed. I've done that too. I did not feel happy about that. And they yeah. didn't, they normally have wipes for the, for the baskets. Right. And, or for the carts, no wipes were in view. And I really felt strange. Uh, all I keep hearing is that between reopening and the protests, we're mm -hmm. going to have a second wave. Right. Or at least right. a spike in the next couple of weeks. You know, what we just won't know in, until and unless it happens. Yeah, I hope there's not another spike, but didn't they say that in September they're almost expecting a second wave to happen or something? Absolutely, because that's what happened with the 1918 pandemic. It died out in the summer and then came back with a vengeance in the fall yeah. and winter. Yeah, who knows? They'll, they'll learn more. I just hope there's a vaccine, maybe by January or something. I don't think that's possible. I know that we've heard that, but I don't think that's real. The fastest vaccine that was ever brought to market, I, I think, was the mumps in that took four years. Yeah, That was the fastest that something has ever been produced for uh, an epidemic. But it's so weird to be thinking about both these things at the same time, because right. it was not possible to think of the world getting worse <laughs> when mm -hmm. we had to go into lockdown. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly it got worse. It just got worse. I mean, if the police would behave themselves, then things would be way better. If they would just yeah. behave themselves now and people would get out of riot gear and stop using batons and tasers and all the rest of it. Uh, I don't want to go backwards in conversation. I just was yeah. had a brain fart. I'm a little conflicted about the protesters exposing themselves the way they are and then exposing their families when they go home. I'm conflicted about these protests in terms of that. Yes, it's a really hard thing. If I wasn't over 65, I think I would probably be out there protesting. If I didn't have something that really meant that I should not be out exposing myself to the world's cooties. We're, we're not islands. And even if we're under 65 and we go and we pick up the virus, then we're, yes. we're exposing everyone we come into contact with. That's it, very true. Know. Well, I think that's why there's so much concern about having this spike when we've gone through, I guess it's two weeks from when it all started is when yeah. that's supposed to happen. Um, well, I'm going to lie, keep lying low, but I can't wait till the 12th to see if my barbershop opens. That'll be exciting. I'm so excited about getting my hair cut. I can hardly <laughs> stand it. <laughs> I have been... Our true values. I <laughs> really... Forget everybody else. I just want to get yeah, a Yeah, I know. Racism's a terrible problem, but damn, I need a haircut. And, you know, I could use some color too. <laughs> it's not just borrow, the length. You can borrow my just for men if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I've been tempted to do my own color, but you know, I've done it before and it just sucks. So 
I, I don't have that much gray. I can live with the gray that I've got. I'm not too worried about it. You know, it's funny, but I found myself last night because I was distressed. I, I went to the, the one thing that I know always will help me cope, and that's watching baby videos on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> world's cutest babies, world's angriest babies, you know, twins fighting. I just go through them like... <laughs> you crack me up. Between that and America's Next Top Model, you do crack me up. <laughs> America's Next Top Model is so antithetical to who I am, I but it's so hard not to well, watch once you get into it. And this is a compliment. It's going to sound like an insult. You're a sucker for a good story. I and am a sucker for a good story. Yeah, it's true. Which is a good thing. And it sounds to me like they arranged those reality shows, at least that particular one, in a, in a very good way in terms of the storytelling. It is well produced in that regard. It yeah, is. So that's um, your get out of jail free card. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I have a new strategy for finding good movies on streaming. And what is that? It, it's so obvious. I'm sure everyone else has been doing it for years. I go to the Rotten Tomatoes website. On Rotten Tomatoes, they have a link. You say reviews of movies on streaming. And so you can, at a glance, see what's on Netflix, what's on Amazon, what's on these different services. Oh, really? And you can see how many Rotten Tomatoes it got. And so oh. now I don't have to hunt through those screens and those tiles and all those right, right. things. Because let's face it, that's exhausting. It is exhausting. <laughs> it's a struggle. It's a struggle. <laughs> a daily struggle. I wake daily. up every day. So <laughs> I found two very good movies that I saw this week. I'm in a position to talk about media for once. Oh my God. Tell me. One is from 2014 and it's called Blue Ruin. And it's a brooding, quirky, fascinating story. Two thirds of the way in, I thought, one reason I'm loving this movie, there's very little dialogue. And yet the story has moved. I've been carried along completely. So I just- Is it American? The... It is American. And it's about a sort of a maladjusted homeless guy who gets the news that the criminal who killed two of his family members has just been released from jail. And so it's the story of how he plots revenge against this person who uh, killed his mother and father. It's very dark and it, there's some heavy violence in certain parts, but the main character is so fascinating. He's, huh. kind of an, he's kind of an everyman and he's not looking for revenge like Clint Eastwood. He's very low key about it, but he just does what he needs huh. to do. Anyway, huh. it's good in that way. And then Another one that was rated very highly on the tomatoes. It's on Amazon, but you have to, it's one of those ones where you have to pay extra for it. Right. But when I went on my Amazon website and brought it up, it was on sale for $1.99. So I paid for it to see it. Because <laughs> uh, otherwise it'd be $3.99 and I ha would have issues. So for $1.99, I didn't mind. And this is called And Now We Dance. And this is a movie from the Republic, former Soviet Republic of Georgia. Huh. And it's about a young man who is in the dance academy, the National Georgian Dance Academy. And when I read the blurb on Rotten Tomatoes, I thought, oh, it's like a ballet story. But it's not. It's Georgian folk dancing. Oh. But, he, but he's, you know, he's in like the top echelon of Georgian folk dancing in this school and it's competitive. And then he's struggling financially then this new guy comes in and he's really good and he's really attractive and they have a conversation the new guy says how long have you been dancing he says oh since since i was like three what about you he says Oh, I only started when I was 13. But he's better than the guy who started at three. Oh, he's, wow. just, he's just inherently. He just is. Uh -huh. Yeah, he's just better. And so it's a story of rivalry, but also of romance. But it's very, I don't want to say too much because it's its better to experience it. But it's a real culture you'd never get a view of. I've never seen a Georgian film. Yeah, Georgian. No. One thing I learned was they really looked down on Armenians. 
there's a, there's a very small subplot about someone marrying an Armenian and everyone's like, oh man, that's bad news. Everybody's got to look down on somebody. They've got to look down on somebody. But the vulnerability of this main character and what he goes through, and he goes through a, quite a journey in the plot, a painful one, but you see it expressed in his dancing. You see the, the challenge that he faced in this story informing his dance. And right. it's almost like he's able by the end to use the dance to somehow fully embrace the pain of what he's been through. I, I, huh. I don't know if that makes sense, but sounds really it's interesting. It's really good. There's a romance in it, but it's a tortured and unfulfilled in the end romance. Right. It's another one that treats same-sex encounters like the other one I was talking about a few weeks ago, God's Own Country. Oh, yeah. Such, a, such an honest way. And yeah, I just thought it was great. It also, we were talking before about how the atmosphere has changed about anti-gay or homophobia. Well, not in Georgia. And so you get to see that oppression in force because I guess they don't have will and grace in Georgia as far as I can tell. <laughs> Something's different. It's just, that, well, and it's heavy Catholic also. There's a heavy religious tradition. Huh. Anyway, it's a great human story. How did you find those two titles? I just went to the Rotten Tomatoes site and I said, what's on streaming? And then I just looked for things that got the highest percentage. Okay. If it's not 90 or higher, I'd sort of skip over. There's a Russian movie that I saw that's very dark and disturbing that you might like. It's called Beanpole. I saw it. I mean, I didn't see the movie, but it's on that same list I'm telling you about. It's really good. Oh, I'm going to check that one out. So there's some good stuff out there. My old method was so hit and miss because I would just look at Netflix and go, well, it looks okay. It is really hard to navigate all that there is out there. I find it very frustrating and I think that's why I just didn't get off of America's Next Top Model even after Catherine left. I just was too much at my wits end trying to figure out what to substitute for it. I go to IMDb a lot, and IMDb has ratings, and I I often agree with them. And in podcast land, have you listened to Rabbit Hole? on The Daily, the New York Times. I haven't, and someone recommended it to me, but it just sounded too techy. It's techy, but it's also scary about how they write these algorithms so that once you start watching a certain kind of thing, you start getting more and more of it. And what Rabbit Hole does is it makes that link to the problems we're having in society about all of us are so siloed in our own information information system and how that's one reason perhaps we're so partisan today. Uh, more perhaps than ever before. That we don't get media from the other side. No, because once we start clicking on certain things, the algorithms are set up to give us more and more of the same. Now, when you talk about, are you talking about Facebook or what? In in Rabbit Hole, they're talking about YouTube, but I think the same same principle holds for Facebook too. Yes. You know, you get your viewing preferences get reinforced and there's an algorithm built into YouTube that starts suggesting, they call it the feed on on the right-hand side. I know it well. Yeah. Mine is full of baby videos. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Well, I think that's going to do it for now. All right. Now that we've had all our, all of our yucks, I'm glad we ended up here because I was, you know, when we started, it was difficult. It's been, it's been a really, really hard Mm -hmm. week. It's, and it's only been a week, which is Mm -hmm. amazing. It's Sunday night, right? Yeah. And it's really started on Saturday of last week. Well, that's going to do it for us, Boomers. Thank you so much for finding us again. And we will talk to you in a week. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.